This episode is sponsored by IT Pro TV. Start or grow your IT career with online training from IT Pro TV with a special offer for you. Visit itpro.tv slash packetpushers and use promo code packetpushers at checkout for 30% off all plans. Getting internet access from low Earth orbit satellites has great promise for addressing the digital divide, supporting disaster response, and creating new opportunities for communication. If you're curious about how these systems work as well as the technological and policy implications, download the free white paper, Perspectives on Low Earth Orbit Satellite Systems for Internet Access by the Internet Society. Just go to internetsociety.org slash packetpushers. That's internetsociety.org slash packetpushers. Today on Heavy Networking, modeling your network with Batfish. Now, why would you want to model your network? And there's there's lots of reasons. And Rick Donato is joining us today. He is going to help us understand what Batfish and this network modeling thing is all about. Rick, welcome to Heavy Networking. If you would tell the nice people out there listening, who are you and what do you do? Hey, thanks. Yeah, so I'm Rick Donato. Currently work as a trainer and also run the platform Packet Coders. And yeah, so I'm I'm a trainer and I kind of live and breathe network automation. Live and breathe network automation. And then one of the reasons I found you was because you have some course material out there on Batfish and there's a webinar on YouTube and stuff. So tell us about your Batfish course. Yeah, so there's a Batfish course on, on the website. So Packet Coders is a training platform for network automation, hosts a number of different uh, courses. Um, it's like there's a membership, do instructor-led training, all kinds of, of good stuff. But yeah, in terms of the, the Batfish course, there's a Batfish course and it takes you through the, the different things around Batfish and you also get hands-on and all of that, all of that good stuff. All right. Very good. Um, thanks for that. And uh, yeah, again, packetcoders.io is uh, Rick's home base. And, and it, no, he doesn't give all his training away for free because he's got a family to feed and stuff. But uh, but but if you're in the network automation space, yet another resource out there in the world of the internet for you to take advantage of. So Rick, we're talking about Batfish today. For people that have not heard of it, I hadn't heard of it until very recently. Would you, in a nutshell, tell us what Batfish is? Yeah, so Batfish, it's it's basically a way to validate your changes before they go out to the network. So that's that's the main that's the main basis of it. So rather than pushing your changes to the network and then checking that your your changes and your network's running as as expected, you can do all of this basically away from that offline before it even even touches your network at all. Yeah, and that's interesting. That's something that it's kind of been the holy grail for a long time for people that do a lot of network changes. So many years ago, I was at a shop and we had bought, I don't even remember the name of the product anymore, but the whole idea of it was to do this, build a model of the network off to the side and then run a proposed network change against that model and see what the result was. It was meant to be a sanity check before you went and did it in production. And uh, it it was back then, again, this goes back at least a decade, it was kind of a hairy beast, it never really worked as well as we wanted it to. Um, and I had to dedicate a whole human to it when I had a small team that I couldn't really devote to just that one platform, the modeling platform. But <laughs> but things have come a long way uh, since then, for sure. Uh, more CPU power, uh, a lot more we know about graph theory and so on and how to model these things. So. Uh, the way that that I'm leading up to a question here, Rick. The way that that modeling worked was you'd run 
a basically a VM of sorts of the different devices you were modeling, a Cisco device or a checkpoint firewall, and you you kind of glom all these things together in their modeling framework. Uh, and I could argue you could do a similar thing today with something like Eve or uh, the CML product from Cisco and these kind of things. So why why Batfish and not just chest, test changes in a lab like you would build with Eve? Yeah, so I mean, I, that's the key thing with Batfish is the key thing with Batfish is the fact that it's modeled. So with Eve or, or CML, you're basically like virtualizing these, these network boxes and and doing your thing against them, right? But I think with Batfish, that's the key, key thing to take away from, from the tool is that it's modeled. And the fact that it's modeled, it's, that's where all of the power uh, and really the greatness comes from. So for example, because it's modeled, you get a whole ton of, of different benefits, right? So first of all, you can create this model much quicker than spinning up a, a virtualized environment. The resources are far, far less. But for me, the, the killer feature is the fact that you can you can literally throw away those tr traditional ways of testing the network, which is sticking something on the wire, doing a ping, doing like a, a recursive Nmap or something along those lines. You can ask some really, really crazy questions and they run really, really quickly. And that's really the power of, of Batfish. So you're drawing a line of distinction about it's modeled, not a bunch of VMs that we throw to build a virtual control plane in, in some kind of a lab box. So B, can you pinpoint that difference? What, what makes it modeled and not just uh, a virtual lab? Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's modeled within the Batfish service using their clever, their, their clever ways, right? So once you, what you do is with the, the Batfish service, you provide it the the configs of your of your network, and bat, the Batfish service then builds those internal models all internally. Um, ah, so it so so it knows how to parse configuration uh, paragraphs and turn them into something. You're saying, yeah, it, exactly, exactly. So you have this Batfish service sitting there; it's just waiting to ingest these these network configs. It brings in these configs and it reads these text files and it builds out this model. But the really, really cool thing is, is it builds out, it actually models the, the control plane as well. So the OSPF, the BGP. So if you've got any ACLs within this model, which is blocking your, your BGP and peering or anything like that, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to figure that out and it's going to know within the model. Okay, so it would so it would also model my OSPF environment. If I've got an area zero with 10 routers in it, it's going to be able to read all the configs and know this is what your OSPF database looks like. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna read it's gonna calculate all the ribs, it's gonna populate okay. those those tables based off of that 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 modeling. So does it use just the configuration, like like show run information from a Cisco box, or does it actually look at state information from devices like, you know, show IP OSPF database? Would it ingest information like that too? It's, it's purely normally show runs. Every okay. now and then there's some different vendors that you you might supplement this this snapshot. And that's how we give Batfish these these configs via a via a snapshot, which is just just a folder full of just some show runs, nothing special, not encrypted and compressed or anything like that, but exactly just 
typically just some show runs. Um, but you do kind of lead on to a really important point is, you know, Batfish is great. It's all about pre-testing before you get your, your config out to the network. But the one thing, so everything's modeled, but the one thing it's not going to do, it's not going to be great for something like an OS upgrade, right? Where you, yeah. you might want to check what the prefixes are because the, the config's going to be the same, right? <laughs> so it's going to, it's going to model it in the same way. So yeah. that's where you, you wouldn't want to use it. You'd want to use something else. Got it. Got it. Okay. So control plane, we're, we're in great shape. We can model a bunch of stuff. And then, and then I guess the other piece of this is I am going to be able to make a change and see what the result is in, in what way, how do I actually propose a change to my, uh, to, to Batfish so it knows how to do that task? Yeah. So the, the typical workflow would be that you, you, you render your conf configuration you pass it over to Batfish, you run a number of tests. So be it your unit tests, i.e. your config uh, settings, your control planes running as expected, your flow tests. And then once you've got that confidence from Batfish, you then push it out to, to the network. So that's the kind of, that's the standard workflow that it aligns to. Okay. Now, now, the thing that perked me up about Batfish is, as as it is today, it is uh, free and open source, and so anybody can use this tool in their network automation testing, right? Yes. Yeah. Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. But there, there, but there's a catch, Rick, in the in the modern um, with what's been going on. We're, we're recording this in November 2022, and there's been some changes going on with what's going on with Batfish. Yeah. Exactly. So in the last few months, IntentionNet, which is the company that that created Batfish um, has been brought out by AWS. The open source is still out there. What the future holds, I, I, I truly hope it still involves Batfish, but, but that's the state of play. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's not an uncommon problem. The uh, you know, so in this case, if you're listening to this, Batfish is free and open source. It's a, it's a package out there. You can go get it. The code is available to you. Um, IntentionNet is a company that had the uh, that was employing most of the humans that were coding uh, for Batfish and for the Batfish project. But IntentionNet again acquired by AWS, and so you know, as Rick's saying, what is the what is the future of Batfish here as a free and open source project? Who can say? Because I guess it'll depend in part on what exactly AWS was buying when they bought IntentionNet. Uh, you know, a free and open source project is what it is, and I, you know, worst case, Rick, I suppose it just doesn't get developed any further. Um, but it's it's pretty usable as is, right? Uh, uh yeah, <laughs> it it is. I mean, what we've spoken about so far is uh, really just the kind of tip of the iceberg with it. Really, to be fair, it's, okay. Um, yeah. Well, let's let's dive into some details then. Let's start with uh, with network gear that Batfish supports. Can you give us a sense of that? Yeah. So it supports all the common routing and switching platforms. So you know your Juniper, different Juniper platforms, your your Cisco, your Arista. It supports a, a good spread as well of the different firewall platforms. So Palo Alto, Fortinet, SRX, ASA, etc. It has a a sprinkling of support for some of the load balances as well. Like, so, uh, like in a firebox, maybe? Yeah, exactly. A10. Yeah. So mm -hmm. um, out and out, not everything, but... And then also, it can also model IP table 
configuration as well. So you can also put your in-hosts and it includes that that information into the into the topology. So it's it's robust, that is. There's lots and lots of models or lots and lots of configs that it can ingest and add to the model, which makes yeah. it immediately useful. Yeah, that's that's huge. Um is there anything notable as you've worked with it? You're like, oh, it doesn't support whatever, something. Yeah, it doesn't support IPv6. So that's that's one thing to definitely note. Uh, that is, if I've got IPv6 related configuration, it doesn't parse that? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's boo. Okay. I, I, I know. It's always, it's the kind of party pooper, really, isn't it? Um, yeah, because it's, it's amazing in so many ways, but it doesn't support IPv6, which is... Yeah I, yeah, I don't know what I feel about that. In that, we're at that point with so many enterprises that they're actually go, going dual stack maybe, or they're, they're looking at IPv6 on the front end uh, yeah. to bring folks into their web applications and this kind of thing. So to not have that, it's one of those... You, I know, I'm sure it was in the pipeline, right? I'm sure they were going to get to that, but with the AWS acquisition, now I'm wondering, you know, does that code get written? Although free and open source, maybe someone else picks up the torch if the intention that team isn't going to be contributing much more to Batfish, which is total speculation on our part. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. It'd be nice. It'd be nice. So um, hopefully I've not ruined the party too much, Ethan. So... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Let's pause the podcast for a quick word from sponsor IT Pro TV. In my career, certification is how I kept improving my job situation and compensation, and IT Pro TV offers training to help you do the same. There are a couple of strategies that you can take with certs. You can skill up in an IT niche that you really like. For example, maybe networking is your thing. Okay, start with associate level certs, and then you go deeper with professional level. Another strategy is to widen your skill set. Maybe you've not done much with security, but you're interested. Great. Take some cybersecurity courses and start passing cert exams, which makes a lot of sense as there's a big industry need for security professionals right now. Whatever direction you want to go. IT Pro TV's rich library of training material has you covered, offering instruction from CompTIA and Cisco to EC Council and Microsoft. More than 5,800 hours of on-demand training taught by hosts who go out of their way to make it interesting. The course library is well-organized, and you can watch whatever you want on whatever device you have handy whenever you like. So whether you're starting out or skilling up, you can learn IT, pass your certs, and make your first or next career move with IT Pro TV. Visit itpro.tv slash packetpushers for 30% off all plans. Use promo code packetpushers at checkout. That's itpro.tv slash Packet pushers and use promo code packet pushers at checkout. And one more time, itpro.tv slash packet pushers. Use that promo code packet pushers at checkout to save 30% off all plans. And now let's return to today's episode. All right. I want to get into some examples then of the kinds of tests that I can run with Batfish. Okay, Batfish is going to model the network and then it can answer questions about proposed changes. So so walk us through some examples of this. Some of the things that it, you can ask questions about, because there's a lot. Um, the way I normally see it, just to kind of frame it, because there is a lot to kind of look at, is you, you have, so first of all, it builds these models, these vendor agnostic models that you can ask and you ask questions that's how you get the information back so you ask the question about this about this top topology about this this model that it's built so you get your 
configuration analysis. You can do configuration analysis for your different configuration parameters. So that could be interface details, no details, so IPsec details, um, OSPF, BGP, all of the configuration parameters, right? So you can ask questions about all of that to do your, if you like, your unit tests for your, your configuration. And okay, then, so I ask, I ask it, I can confirm with unit tests then that what the, what the model is, is what I'm expecting the network to be. And if things aren't matching up, I can be like, oh, and then figure out what needs to change in my configuration to get the network to the place I'm looking for it to be. Yeah, exactly. So just for, so with the configuration analysis or the configuration parameter example, and it's like all of the questions that you ask Batfish, you ask your question, you get the data back as a data frame, Panda's data frame. And that's going to have the information in that you need to, to look through and not to kind of go into, into a rabbit hole or anything, but you would then use something like a runtime of PyTest to, to kind of build your test with some just simple, simple assert statements to pick out those values from these, these data frames against what should be the, the, actual, the actual value. Now you said pandas and that makes me think Python. So am I working in Python when I'm working with Batfish? Uh, yes. Yeah. So when it comes to working with Batfish, the, the Batfish service will expose an API. You never really need to work with the API to be fair. There's a, there's a Python library called PyBatfish and it, it's got everything you need in it. So you typically always work with the, the, uh, the Python, the Python library, but there is a Ansible role as well, which uses the, that Python library under the hood. So you can use that if you, if you want to, but it hasn't got as much in it as the, the, the Python library. So there's a couple of options there, but normally just, yeah, the PyBatfish library. Okay, good to know. Uh, I got a sidetrack though. I want to go back to more of the, uh, the use case examples, the kinds of things I, I would be testing. So you've got the configuration parameters and Batfish score all of them. So you can test your interface settings, your VLANs, your prefixes, DNS settings, all of the kind of those, those node level um, details or your, or your BGP or your SPF settings, et cetera, et cetera. With that, you've then got various questions that you can use to query the control plane status. So OSPF or BGP based questions. So what we can do is we can say, you know, tell me whether all of my OSPF neighborships are successful. So it's going to go off and it's going to work, work out based on all of the different things you need for OSPF to, to correctly uh, establish. It's going to figure out if all of those align correctly. So you just ask this one question and it's the same for BGP. Now, even though we're using OSPF and BGP questions, even with uh, when it when it computes the the models and and the ribs and everything it is still going to be using other routing protocols like isis etc cetera, etc cetera. but mm -hmm. in terms of the analysis the analysis for the control plane is just going to be for ospf and bgp so that's really nice well well hang on a second you lost me there you said it it will do a different routing protocol like isis but but it's only working in bgp or ospf i'm so can I model, can I do tests against my ISIS routing model or, or no, I got confused. When Batfish builds, builds the models, it's going to understand like 
ISIS routes. It's it's you know propagated by our ISIS or things mm-hmm. via um, EIGRP, et cetera, et cetera. So it's going to take all of that goodness in from those different routing protocols to build the, the model. However, so you've got all of that. So it's kind of, it's built these, these models, it's built the ribs internally, and you can see all of that for those different routing protocols. However, when you go to query Batfish and do control plane question, use the control plane questions, you're only going to be able to do that for and against OSPF and BGP. Uh, okay. Okay. So it, it can parse it. Right. I don't have the ability to do questioning for some of these other routing protocols, just BGP and OSPF. And, and that makes sense from a standpoint of if you had to prioritize, those are the two that you'd pick because they're the ones that are most widely deployed, especially when you're dealing with a multi-vendor environment, which Batfish, considering the number of devices it supports, seems to assume. So, okay, I, I get where you're coming from now, now, Rick. Thank you. So that's, yeah, so that's really great. So you can do the OSPF BGP just with like a single question and then check all of your BGP across your network. And then, so on top of that, now you've got this control plane which is it's been modeled and it's, it's running within this, this topology, you can now ask various flow, different flow level questions. So you can now ask questions such as, you know, can this flow, can this block of flows, what's the outcome if it go, if, you, if I send it through the network, what's going to be denied, what paths it's going to take, all of that. And to be honest, that topic in itself is, it, it kind of goes into its own, down its own path. Excuse the pun, but <laughs> see, so, so you've got this way of being able to now do flow level tests, which for me is your integration level tests. And that's really nice because with your, with your flow level tests, you're going to get a lot of coverage. You know, you're not always going to get the visibility. So if I do within Batfish, I check a flow from point A to point B under the hood, I'm going to be checking a lot of things, i.e. interface settings. The routing protocols, et cetera, et cetera. I might not necessarily get the visibility into exactly, you know, the lower level of the the configuration parameter on on what's gone wrong, but I know that something has gone wrong. So that's how I kind of see things. Um, the, those integration level tests with the with the flows, hmm. and then the unit kind of unit level tests with the the configuration parameters with your configuration analysis. Hopefully that. Kind of thrown a lot out there. Yeah, I, I think I see where you're going there. Although, you know, my brain did park on the, uh, the the path through the network component of the verification during the flow verification process in that that's a fussy thing when you get down to uh, layer one, layer two kind of stuff, like with an ether channel, uh, how, you know, which line might be selected. Does it get that granular where it, because some of that can vary by hardware. So I can't imagine how it could. No, no. It literally just does, it, it, it just does kind of your, your kind of your L2 forwarding, if you like, it, it won't, yeah, it won't go to that. Yeah. It will say there's two paths there. I'll show you both paths. So, okay. Right, right, right. It, 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 yeah. You're, so it, it'll look at the bundle as a group and say, it's going to pick a path along this, you know, ether channel as a, you know, as a, as a bonded group, uh, pick one, can't predict it. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah, with with Batfish, it normally when you do like a, a test, it will say, "Well, here are the paths," and it say, "Right, these are the two paths." So it, then it show you like say both links of of a yeah. uh, of of a port channel, but um, 
but the the flow based analysis is is really amazing because you're not stuck with just saying well I'll ping from point one to point point a to point b from these positions on these ports you can literally say tell me the reachability from every single point to every single point on every single port on every single protocol <laughs> on every single ip all at once it you can kind of get to that level with your questions so you can literally throw out this traditional thinking of send a ping from point a to point b uh, or to do an end map on you know it's yeah you, you said throw out thinking and yeah you did just break my brain because of, of course that's the way we think we, and very often when we're provisioning something on the network there's some key test points that we're going to use to validate that oh this path is is up and working as expected because i can mm -hmm. ping between these two very important hosts that i know need to work and we'll have you know half a dozen or 10 or 20 or 50 or whatever points that we're going to check and things that we're going to look for as opposed to what you're describing which is i want you to check everything <laughs> just have that fish go for it that's a little mind-blowing uh but i mean is that is that the sort of a question you're going to be sorry you asked because it takes three hours to figure out the answer it's quick it's seriously quick it's um yeah you're, you're talking i mean I, I i run this on quite a small like kind of test network and you when i run it on there and it's probably against thousands of thousands of flows right that it's checking i mean you're talking seconds hmm. so it's it's extremely extremely quick but yeah 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 Okay, so, so we've got uh, we've been talking about control plane. We've been talking about um, flow verification. You've been describing those as uh, uh, various kinds of tests. Uh, what other sorts of things can I validate here with my against my network model built in Batfish? So you can do ACL checks, which is which is really really cool. So you can do kind of your. I mean, at this point, it's worth mentioning as well because the the checks kind of. You get different types of 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 checks or questions. So I mentioned ACL, and that kind of leads me on to the point is that with Batfish, you've got questions that don't only just allow you to see if that something's gone wrong or it's gonna it's gonna cause an issue to your network, but you've also got kind of I would say maintenance level questions, things for the the housekeeping of your of your config. So things such as in the ACL checks you can see if there's any shadowed rules. So rules that are never going to be hit because you've got a high mm -hmm. level rule, which is, for example, so that that's good. And you've also got other other questions. So to see if there's any config that's not being used. So you've got this ni nice little collection of these different questions just for making sure that you can keep your, your configs tidy and there's so things that I'm not using, like I can access list that I've written, but it's not applied yeah. anywhere, you know, these kind of things. Ex exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So you've got these, so you've got that, you've got these, these ACL checks. Um, now the other thing to mention is, is you also have what's known as a differential comparison based questions. So all of the questions that I've mentioned so far, you can provide them with your snack. So you, you build your, you ingest your snapshot, your configs, build this model, and then you run your questions against it. But what you can also do is you can also then provide in two snapshots. 
to a question, and then you can look at the differences. And there's one question which I, it still amazes me, really. And maybe I need to get out more. But <laughs> this was one question I think is brilliant. And it's called the compare filters question. So what you can do is you can provide it with two snapshots with all your ACLs in, and it will compare the differences between the flows. So let's say you're doing a migration between two different vendors. You've, you've got an SRX firewall, say, you've got all your rules on there. It's been going for ages. You've got this huge ACL config. You've got one snapshot based on that. You do a migration and you've done all of the work and you've, you've migrated all, all of these rules over to another vendor type. You need to see whether there's anything different between these flows, anything extra that's going to be permitted or anything that's going to be denied. And so what you can do is you can run this, this question and it's going to tell you about these differences. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you are definitely going to catch, well, one of my favorites is, uh, you know, if you do something like I need to temporarily have permit IP any, any log at the bottom because reasons, and then you leave it there, uh, you know, long-term, you know, something like that would quickly, you know, surface something like that. But you're also saying would it, it would mirror up, um, well, you, you said compare filters, so literally any major difference between two, it's going to bring those right up to the surface. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, a while back, so I, I built from from this one, just this one question, I built this this ACL auditor tool because what I, I saw previously was there was something bad happened in a company. There was a bad actor. They got in, socially engineered someone and got someone to put an ACL onto, onto a firewall. And so it kind of got me thinking, I'd always wanted to write a tool that could tell me that extra, that extra thing that's been allowed. Because mm. a lot of the time it's always, is this permitted or is this denied? But what about the extra stuff? Mm. And so, and, and that's what the, the, the tool was about. And so it's, it's a tool out there I created it while I was at Network to Code, and a great bunch of guys, and it's called um, NTC Soteria. So if anyone wants to check that out, feel free. And but under the hood, that's that's pretty much what it what it uses with some other funky bits of massaging added in as well. So, but yeah, it's it's a good it's a good question anyway. Coming back to the point, <laughs> the, the 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 compare filters is a is a really good good question. Let's pause the conversation for a message from the Internet Society. You can now get internet access from space thanks to low Earth orbit or LEO satellites in companies such as Starlink and OneWeb. And in 2023, more companies are planning to launch hundreds, even thousands more satellites to support broadband services, including Amazon's Project Kuiper and Canada's Telesat. As these systems are being launched, now is the opportunity for all of us to help shape conversations and ensure that these LEO systems help build a bigger, stronger internet accessible to everyone. These LEO systems have great promise to help address the digital divide and connect the unconnected. Kids can learn online, people can connect with others, play games, stream movies. Schools and libraries can connect and bring the internet to many people. LEO systems can also support emergency responders and help get critical internet access during natural disasters. So there are big opportunities on the horizon, but also questions. Will these systems be affordable to the people who need them most? Will they have the capacity to support all the people who want access? Will they support the open standards and internet technologies we care about? What policy issues do they raise? How do we ensure competition? What about the environment? The Internet Society, a global nonprofit advocating for an open and trusted internet, 
dives into these questions in a new paper, Perspectives on LEO Satellite Systems for Internet Access. You can download this paper for free and share it with others by going to internetsociety.org slash packetpushers. One more time, you can get the paper Perspectives on LEO Satellite Systems for Internet Access at internetsociety.org slash packetpushers. And now, back to the podcast. Another quick thing I wanted to follow up on, you mentioned PyTest. For people that are, maybe they're into Python, but they're not really doing much testing yet. Can you give them a quick overview of PyTest and how you've used it in your Batfish work? Yeah, so PyTest is a, it's a Python testing framework. And it's it's really, you can think of it as your runtime. So it gives you this framework to build these, these little tests. So you use the assert statement. It's all about using the assert statement within Python to validate whether something runs true or not. If it doesn't run true, then it raises an error and you, when you run it, you run PyTest, you're gonna get a failed failed test. So you create all of these little, these little tests with these little assert statements in. And so it's, it's great for not only Batfish, for general network automation testing, right? Because you, you get this, uh, just use the, the PyTest CLI tool, you run it against your Python test script like your, your file and just gives you some clean results on what's passed or what's failed so when it comes to batfish or or any of the other tools you get batfish to collect all the data and you get the the, the pandas data frame and then you you take out the data from the pandas data frame within your tests and test these different different parameters so and, and so this sounds like the kind of thing that I could be using if I had a, a formal pipeline. I'm treating my network as infrastructure as code. This be, could become part of that pipeline, doing testing uh, via PyTest in an automated way. It feels like it would snap in pretty well with that. Yeah, it's perfect. So it, it's the runtime. So under the hood, you put in Batfish, or if you want to put in SuzyQ, if you want to put in Napalm, Scrapply, whatever, you know, whatever float your boat for for your use case but exactly if you've got a CI/CD pipeline then within your workflow you you just have your your pytest command running your your test files and obviously if there's any issues that's going to flag it up within the workflow so hmm. ex exactly that yeah hmm. yeah okay now we've talked about the network model being built from uh configurations show runs and and the such like so is it possible with batfish to model a gray failure like uh like a lossy link or something that's high latency something like that no not not from my understanding no i don't think. yeah i couldn't yeah. think of a way that you could but i thought i'd throw it in there because there's, there's there's a bunch of um like wan testing tools out there it's like okay you're gonna use our you know wan tester and you can describe the characteristics of the link and pump traffic through it to see what happens which is more of an application thing i want to see how my application behaves in the face of a link like that as opposed to uh putting it in the middle of a network model it's it feels like we're answering a diff different sort of a question but i thought i'd ask anyway yeah yeah that's cool <laughs> All right, let's go, let's move from what can Batfish do? Why would I use it to getting up and running with Batfish, Rick? Um, I, I don't think it's too heavy, but uh, tell me what hardware software I would need to run Batfish. Bat, the Batfish service just runs as a Docker container. So obviously just need Docker running, just pull down the, the Docker image. So it's, um, you just do Docker pull, Batfish, forward slash Batfish. And then, yeah, you just, you run the Docker container and then your, 
you're ready to go. So that that's in addition to also installing the Pi Batfish locally, which is going to connect out to your your Batfish service. Now, can I run this on my laptop? Do I have to have a you know a, a kind of a beefy VM to run the Docker container? What do you suggest? Um, not not really. I mean, if you're only throwing a few configs at it, you, you can run it on your on your laptop. If you're going to start wanting to, obviously, it depends on what you've got in your laptop, right? So, if if you're throwing quite a few configs at it, you're going to need it's the memory that's going to it's going to go up that you're going to need to give more to to the Batfish service in order to to run and compute that control plane. So, if you've got you know if you're throwing like a hundred. It kind of varies because I, I've seen before, I've seen throwing a thousand configs at it and we've used like 32 gig, but there hasn't been a ton of routing involved. Hmm. So the, the, the standard like requirements that's normally suggested is if you've got like a thousand, around thousand configs, have like 64 to 128 gig of RAM, give it, you know, something like 16 cores. Um, but if you've got like a hundred, say a hundred devices, you could, you know, 16 to 32 gig, you'd be fine. Typically I would start with 32 gig. That's going to be a good amount to, to start off with. I wouldn't say you want to go higher than throwing a thousand configs at it. You want to kind of divide things up. So rather than just go, Hey, let's, let's we'll throw 5,000 configs. We just model the whole of the, the network try to maybe just do it on a site-by-site -site basis. Site-by-site -site or maybe tier-by-tier, -tier, something like that. If you had um, you know, a, a core network and you wanted to model one layer out to get a sense of your, your routing in the core, I suppose you could break it up that way? Uh, routing in the core, you, you could, yeah, you could do. Depends you'd, on what you want to model, of, I guess. But. Yeah, I suppose you'd, you'd want to see your kind of you're north and south of that as well, yeah. maybe, but, yeah. um, but yeah. But I mean, but to speak to your point, the, the, the key here is RAM because we're building a model and we're building a model that can model literally any to any. And so there's a bunch of RAM required to do all those computations. The more network devices, then we have an, um, you know, an N squared problem where there's that many more paths that could be. And so your, your need for RAM is going to go up and up and up the, the more devices you have. Uh, and this is why you're saying you want to kind of cap it. Do you, a thousand devices as a kind of a rule of thumb, cap it at something like that or? Yeah, I, I would say so. Because the thing is, is once you get to a thousand, it's going to take a while to ingest them all. And so things are going to start to slightly slow up. And you're also going to face issues like, if you've got a thousand devices, there are going to be things in the configs that it's not going to be able to correctly parse. And so you kind of, you don't want to kind of throw too much at it to wait five hours for it to compute and to build the model to only find that you've got part of it that's not modeled because of X, Y, and Z. So hmm. I would say if possible, keep it as small as possible and then yeah, it's, it's a better way to go, but uh, yeah. at max, go a thousand. Yeah. Does Batfish go and retrieve configs for me where I should put it on my management network and it needs to have credentials and no secrets so that it can go pull configs? Or am I 
you've been saying like feed it configs, like I'm like I'm the one giving it the configs. Can you explain how that works? Yeah, so it hasn't got any mechanism to go out to the network. It's it's a service that it's I kind of always <laughs> picture it as one of these ticket feeders in the arcades, right? It's just it's waiting for these configs. And hmm. so it's 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 pretty much just just that you need something else to be able to get the the configs to it. So the typical workflow is that you you build the configs first and then you pass it in something like Batfish. You can you can give it you know your backups if you want to, or if you really wanted to, you could go out and grab some config from the network. But then you're you're kind of in you're in a place where you're validating config that's already been pushed out, which you know you can get some benefit from that, but it's it's not really it's, the ideal. In theory, it's tell, it should be telling you what you already know is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, it could still be useful for like a baseline model because, um, well, so can I store that model or can I, once I have ingested all the tickets, as you say, you know, all the configs I've brought into Batfish and it makes a model, can I save that model and have it retrieve it later? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can do. Yeah. And then do that yeah. compare filters thing that you were talking about before, where is that where that could come in, where I've got an, you know, an existing model, now I've got a new model that I'm proposing, and then I would do my comparisons? Uh, in terms of the compare filters, yes, yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, there are things where it could, there are some questions where it is quite actually quite useful. I mean, you could just put it against the, uh, the config that you've got from backups or whatever. So things like you can see IP owners. So there's a question around seeing who owns each IP address, what BRF they're on, which, uh, you know, what the, the node name is. And also you can then say and ask if, is there any duplicates within my network? So that's, that's quite a nice, that's quite a nice feature and kind of lends itself really nicely. If you wanted to kind of build like a chatbot where you need something quick, to get the answer back. And that is quite a nice use case for that, right? Tell me who owns this IP address, et cetera. So. All right, Rick. So I, I've got a good sense of how Batfish is uh, working. Now you've mentioned some of the automation tooling that's familiar to us that it interacts with. You, we've talked about Python and how it interacts there. We've talked about, you've mentioned at least uh, Ansible on the way by. Is there other automation interaction that uh, that I should know about? Other tools that Batfish works with? So Batfish works great, like as I mentioned, with with something like PyTest. You obviously you've got the Ansible that we mentioned before, you've got the Ansible role that you can use. I would say those are the main ones. And obviously, whatever from there, you could then get that into whatever CI CD you're using, you know, GitHub Actions or anything in GitLab, etc. There is another tool that you could use with uh, Batfish that could work quite well, which is around so Netbox. So mm -hmm. the, the one thing that we've not mentioned with, um, with Batfish is that it's it, out of the box, it's purely L3, right? It's not going to model your L2 networks. So it's, if you've got an L2 network in there, it's not even going to mm. model it at all, right? It's just going to stitch, it's going to stitch around that because all of it, the way that it does the modeling and it, and it works out this, this topology is all based on IP address. So what you can do to then bring in 
the L2 networks is you you basically tell it about the all of the physical connections. And you do this, you just supply a JSON file, what's connected to what, and it's going to then enrich your snapshot. Okay. So that's where something like Netbox could come in really handy because then rather than manually creating this JSON file, you've got all of your connections within Netbox or something like Nautobot, and you can then dynamically create all of these, yeah, or this JSON file and put it into your into your snapshot. So that's another tool you you could use if you wanted to. So it's not that um, Batfish is natively integrated with Netbox, but the data that we would have in uh, Netbox as a, as or not a bot, you're saying as a as a DSIM, it's going to know it can know all those uh, physical connections. We can feed use that as a data source to feed into. Uh, batfish and then and then what now it is like layer one two flow aware so it as it as we as it maps flows it now knows not just the layer three but it knows that ah it's going to be traversing these physical interfaces through the network yeah exactly yeah now now it's going to be bringing in those those l2 port channels all the different you know checking the allowed vlans on your trunks etc etc so obviously you'd need to create a little Python script to kind of loop over that data and to build out that file. But yeah, exactly like what you've said. Okay. Very cool. Is there anything I should have asked you about uh, Batfish or topic about Batfish that we didn't mention that's worth mentioning, Rick? Um, I think the only thing that we've not mentioned is its ability to do impact analysis. So what you can do with Batfish is you can create a snapshot and then you can fork it. And you can say, in my fork, I want to create a form of failure. I want to take a node down. I want to deactivate an interface. And now again, you've got these two, you've got these two snapshots. You've got your good, your, your base snapshot, and you've got a failure snapshot. And so what you can then do is you can take these two snapshots and put it into another differential comparison question, which is around, I believe it's called differential reachability. And it's going to show you the differences in flows between the two. Now what you've got is you've got a, a way to be able to systematically, using Python, go through your different devices, taking down links, taking down nodes, and to see what happens. <laughs> so you can now then see, you know, I've had an example where there was just, I had an access layer and there was like single access switches. So of course you take down one of those switches, it, things are going to fail because there's nowhere else for it to go. So it's a great way of testing your design and testing that, that failure scenario without even touching a network, that kind of that chaos monkey style of, hmm. yeah. of, of engineering. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, Rick, we're at time. Uh, would you tell people how they can follow you on the internet? Yes. Yeah, so you can follow me over on Twitter at, at Rick J Don, or you can follow packet coders, on Twitter at Packet Coders. You can also head over to the packetcoders.io website where you can sign up to our free newsletter where you can get all the latest tips and tricks around network automation. On top of that, if you go over to the packetcoders.io website, you'll find a free blog, various courses, and boot camps all around network automation that covers various, various topics. So, so yeah. 
Yeah, so if you're out there listening and you're interested in uh, network automation, you're trying to learn and skill up on that, uh, Rick has got you know, yet another resource for you to consider. Um, lots of good stuff for free there on packetcoders.io. And then, of course, how he feeds his family is through training courses. So you can sign up, become a member, all of those things, and, uh, and make Rick a happy guy. Uh, all of our technical podcasts here at the Packet Pushers Podcast Network are, of course, at PacketPushers.net. And if you'd like to join our community, uh, we have a free Slack group, PacketPushers.net slash Slack. It's open to anybody that's in the industry, vendors included. All we ask is no marketing. Just go in the group and be a good citizen. Uh, help each other out. Lots of things going on in that Slack group. Constant discussions about what network switch should I get? How do I solve this automation problem, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And that's all free for you there at packetpushers.net slash slack. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.